The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our scripture reading this morning is Philippians 4, 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. And so this is a particular passage of scripture that is uh, near to my heart. Uh, this is an issue, this issue of peace, this issue of fear and anxiety. It is one that I have wrestled with and I still wrestle with to this day. And so this is something that is very near to my heart. So I look forward to hearing what the Lord uh, is saying through his word to us this morning. So before we jump into that, let us pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name. Just thank you for the day, Father God. Uh, move me out of the way, decrease me so that you may increase yourself. Father God, thank you for your word that pierces our heart uh, in the deepest places in our souls. And I pray that that will happen on this morning. Uh, that you would cause dead men to live and you would soften hard hearts. And um, you would just uh, speak to us in the deep places of our souls this morning. And it's in your mighty sons, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Alright. Uh, Dan Harris, he was a... Uh, television commentator for ABC, all right, and he had worked his way up the ranks to be one of the top analysts uh, for ABC. He actually made it to Good Morning America, and so he wrestled with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety as he was working his way up the corporate ladder. Uh, he would do different things to try to cope with it, but he finally made it to the top, and he had finally made it to his dream job. And on this particular morning, on June 7th in 2004, while on Good Morning America, something would happen that would drastically change Dan Harris's career for the rest of his life. While up there on Good Morning America, uh, presenting the news, his voice would begin to shake. Uh, his words, they began to slur together. Uh, he, he began to, to make uh, faces that showed discomfort. Uh, beads of uh, sweat started to form on his forehead. The seasoned television analyst who had worked his way all the way up the ranks, who had been trained to be perfect on camera in front of four million viewers on that morning, was having an anxiety attack on live television. 
after the fact, he, he, would, he, would dis, he would turn the camera to the next analyst and, and try to get the camera off himself as quickly as possible and move to the next segment of news. He was freaking out in front of everybody. And, in, in, and afterwards, he would say, after the, uh, the fear subsided, humiliation would set in. After the fear subsided, humiliation would set in. Completely humiliated by fear on live television after being trained to be perfect in front of people. Uh, he, would, he would go on a relentless pursuit to find peace. Now, now Harris was a self-professing atheist, all right? Self-professing atheist. He would go on this relentless pursuit to find peace. So he said he went to mega churches and went to every mega church pastor that he can find. He said he went to Buddhist temples uh, trying to find peace. He used drugs, strong drugs like cocaine, trying to find peace. Uh, he did everything that he could uh, to try to find peace. Uh, and, he was, and he was struggling to find it. And, and so that word uh, peace, means, it, it means to have a completely uh, calm equilibrium, to behold. And what I'm learning from Dan Harris as I've been uh, learning about him is that people will search the world to find peace. Peace is priceless. And that word anxiety, in Greek it means to, to be overly concerned with something, to be, to be concerned, to be uh, overcautious, to be filled with much care, to actually be in pieces about something. And we would do anything to get rid of that, 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 that anxiety and that fear. And if we're being honest, we know what it's like to be like Dan Harris. We might not have an anxiety attack on, on national television, but we know what it's like to be so concerned with so many things and to be in pieces about things. And, and similar to him, we seek and we try to find out ways to find peace. We seek uh, different alternatives. And that's what Dan Harris did. He, he literally dedicated his life to this. He started an organization called uh, 10% Happier. Because out of all of this pursuit, the best that he could find was 10% happier. He, he, he turned to meditation. And if you'd ask him today, he still struggles with it. But he says, at least meditation will, will make me 10% happier. What if I told you that God wanted more for us than to be 10% happier? God has more for his creation than to be 10% happier. Sure, the drink may make you 10% happier. The vacation may make you 10% happier for a few days. A new burglar alarm system. Moving to the right part of town. Getting your kids in the right school. It may make you 10% happier. But God knows and you know that that stuff doesn't scratch the itch. That you were created for something much more. God created us for something more than 10% happier. He created us for eternal joy and peace. Not 10% happier. As we come to our text this morning, we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul. A man who says he has found the secret. He says, I got it. He, say, he says, I have the secret. I've, I've figured out uh, the, the, the secret to peace. The secret to contentment. And this book that we're reading, Philippians, is actually originally a letter written to a church at Philippi. All right, And it was originally a letter. And when Paul was writing this letter, he wasn't sitting in a Starbucks on a laptop sipping a latte. Nope. He wasn't sitting on the beach sipping a Mai Tai when he wrote this letter. Paul was in prison talking to people about joy and peace. He was in a Roman prison. Some of these prisons are said to have been filled with sewage. It's disgusting. They were small. They smelled bad. 
the guards beat you. Especially for what he was doing. He was steady preaching the gospel uh, in prison. And he's still taking that beating in this horrible circumstance. And he says, I've found the secret. I've found the secret to more than 10% happier. I've found the secret to true peace and true joy. And so I think this is a guy that we should listen to. (laughs) He's able to endure such a circumstance. His peace isn't. Uh, determined by a circumstance. And so I think that's a guy that we should listen to on this morning. And I, I want to emphasize, he says that I have learned the secret to contentment. And so that's something that he learned over time, just like you and I are learning over time. And so let's hear from him. The first thing that we can learn from the Apostle Paul uh, from, the, from this letter is peace is found when we seek God instead of seeking peace. Uh, Peace is found when we seek God instead of seeking peace. Paul was hyper-focused on the kingdom of God. Hyper-focused. He wasn't chasing his own happiness. He wasn't running around trying to find something to scratch the edge. He was just chasing the glory of God. Hyper-focused on the kingdom of God. He's not really caring about much else. Happier than a lot of people that are chasing happiness, by the way. So verse 6 through 8, it says... This is the Apostle Paul from prison to us free people. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything, Paul? It's a lot of crazy stuff can happen. Anything. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything? In everything. Don't be anxious about anything. God is saying that exact thing to, from his servant Paul. He said, don't be anxious about anything. That's the way it's supposed to be. Let's break it down. Prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. God is saying, talk to me about everything. Instead of being anxious about anything, just talk to me about everything. That's the way it originally was in the garden before Adam and Eve fell. I imagine they were just talking to God about everything. Uh, What you and I tend to do, and I can speak for myself especially this morning, is to compartmentalize uh, our conversations. So we talk to certain people about certain things. Alright? And so, uh, if I can be honest, I know it seems kind of shallow, but I have certain people that I just talk sports with. I know it seems shallow. So I'm like, man, how about Marcus saw last night shooting that fadeaway shot uh, to put the Spurs away last night? And so I got people, I know, right? I got people who I talk about that kind of stuff with. It was good. It was a good night. That was awesome, by the way. But I have people I talk about that kind of stuff with, alright? Uh, it, it can get more shallow than that, though, with a stranger. We may just talk weather. Like, man, ain't it chilly for April? You know, it's just, we may talk well, they can get that shallow. And then we all have those conversations and we may be that person where when you see the phone number pop up, you know it's just an emergency. You know it's just an emergency. And when I was in college, my mom says I was that person. Only call, it was just an emergency. <laughs> I need something. Alright? But then I have my wife. I talk to her about everything. Everything under the sun. Stuff that is not important at all. Uh, some stuff that's big. She say I talk too much sometimes. Uh, but I talk to her about everything because we have formed a relationship and we have such intimacy that I can talk to her about anything. God is saying that I don't just want to have a how about them grizzlies relationship with you. God is saying that I just don't want to be the God of your emergencies. Thanks for the call at Easter and Christmas, but I want to know you. You have a lot going on in your heart. And I know about it. 
And I want you to be honest enough to be vulnerable with me about what's going on in your heart. And so, uh, talk to me about anything, anything, and in everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer is just talking to God. You don't have to be, you don't have to talk in your, your preacher voice or in your holy voice to talk to God. <laughs> it's just talking to God. Saying, God, I adore you. You're good. You're great. Just telling them who he is. God, thank you for yesterday, today, and what you're going to do tomorrow. God, uh, uh, thank you for holding uh, my life together. It's, it's you. It's not me. It's confessing. God, I have something on my heart that I need to give to you. Or something that I did that I need to confess to you. It's just confessing. It's asking for help. We all need help. Be honest with them. He just said, bring it to me. Say, God, I need peace. Peace is found when we seek God instead of seeking peace. We build that relationship. We get that intimacy. We experience his presence. And when we really experience his presence, it's not much we can't endure. That's what Paul says is the secret. Peace is found when we seek God instead of seeking peace. Peace is found when our thinking uh, is directed towards God. Peace is found when our thinking uh, is directed towards God. So the question I would pose for us this morning is, how is your mental diet? How is your mental diet? What are you feeding your brain? Um, I said this is something that I have struggled with and I, and I, and I, and I currently still do wrestle with. Uh, it's this, 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 this anxiety with my thoughts. My mind is busy. I have a busy mind. And, and it's sometimes hard to turn it off. Uh, uh, just this past year, there were moments where I really struggled with it a lot. I, I'd be driving, and I'm just thinking about so much. I have had anxiety and, and, and panic attacks. And, and I know that the shame and the feeling of, my God, I just have lost control. And, and, and I'm driving and having to pull over the car, meditating on myself. And when you meditate on yourself, something, it, nothing's good ever going to happen from that. You're either going to get prideful or you're going to get depressed really quickly. And you're probably going to get depressed uh, very quickly if you think about yourself long enough. And there were seasons of my life uh, not too long ago where I did that. And, and I'm, I'm over-concerned about others' opinions of me. And I'm, and I'm over-concerned about my own estimation of me. Instead of focusing on the truth of the Lord in those moments, uh, it literally had physical uh, ramifications in my life. Uh, last year, I was on pace to having an ulcer, and I had to really get some stuff together and slow it down. Uh, mind doing too much. The Lord says he has something better. And I'm, and, and I'm going to do a little uh, a parenthetical statement. I'm not knocking counseling, and I'm not knocking medicine. But God says he has something a little bit better uh, that, 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 than something that can make us 10% happier. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 4.8. He says, finally, brothers, this is to that mental diet. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Lovely, pure, praiseworthy, true, sounds like God to me. (laughs) I know it doesn't sound like myself or anybody else. I shouldn't be dwelling on myself. shouldn't be dwelling on you. should be dwelling on the Lord. And he says when you think about those things, that's when you will find 
that peace that goes beyond understanding. Say it, it will guard your hearts and your minds. That word guard is a military term that means to literally encamp out in front of something and protect it, like if, as if there were soldiers. When you have the peace of God, your mind is guarded uh, from, the, from the negativity and the thoughts about yourself and the thoughts about the world. Anybody here like roller coasters? Roller coasters? Any roller coaster people? All right, I kind of like them. I'm kind of a fan of, of roller coasters. Uh, and, you know, you, with roller coasters, it's a thrill ride. So you have ups and downs, dips and valleys. Uh, you, you, sometimes you, if you're on a good one, you get a little corkscrew, you go upside down and, and all that stuff. And I've been known to scream every now and then on one of those. Uh, but one thing that I have to remember when I'm on, uh, uh, on a roller coaster is what's true of me. And what's true of me, when I'm on a roller coaster, no matter what's going on, up or down, dips and valleys, twisting all upside down and crazy, what's true of me is that I'm held secure by the bar. I'm held secure by the bar. And what's true of that bar is that it's strong enough to hold me. That's what's true about the bar. Now, if I forget that, uh, that I'm secure by the bar, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> if I think that I could fall at any moment, I'm probably not up there. Or if I forget that that bar is strong enough to hold me, I'm probably going to go crazy too. All right? But when I'm, when I'm thinking about what's true of me and what's true of that bar, I'm safe, I'm secure, and I can actually uh, enjoy the ride. God says on the roller coaster of life that goes up and down, dips and valleys, twists and turns, you have to remember what's true of you. And as a believer of God, what's true of you is, is that you've, you are held secure in the hands of God. Nothing can pluck you out of your father's hands. You are held secure in the hands of God. What's true of you is that you're adopted by God and he chose you. That's what's true of you, no matter what's going on in life. What's true of you is that your identity is found in him. And so it don't matter where you fell at. If you're failing at school, if you're failing at work, or you're not living up to your own standards, what's true of you is that your identity is found in Christ. You are his You're made in his image and he loves you because of that and that alone. You don't have to do nothing. That's what's true of you. What's true of him is that he's in complete control of the universe. So he's holding you and he's holding everything together. That's what's true of him. He's sovereign. He's immutable, meaning that he doesn't change. Stuff in this world may change, but God doesn't change. That's what's true of God. And when you hold on to that truth, when you're thinking about that truth, that's where you can find peace. Uh, when, when me and Ashley first got married, married, and I mean literally first got married, like uh, the day of, uh, we were still going through uh, trying to find a place to live. True story. We, we married and we're happy as lambs. We just got, we just got married in Texas and uh, we were trying to find, we were still trying to find a place. We were going, the homeowners association wouldn't close the deal for us and wouldn't just give us the keys and let us move in. And so here we are, <laughs> just jumped the room and we still don't have a place. And so we go on our honeymoon, I'm trying to have peace. And I'm, and I'm like, surely everything's going to get handled while we're out of town. Man, I'm checking the email every day. They're like, nope, still can't move in yet. Last day on our way back to the States, I'm like, surely we're going to have a place, man. It's been a week, and we still don't have a place. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we we got to call somebody. We can't just sleep, sleep on the streets. It's not a good first week of marriage. And so uh, we have to stay uh, with, with Ashley's sister at my sister-in-law's place for a week and a half. And in that moment, life felt like a roller coaster. It felt like everything was going crazy. 
Uh, I felt like I was not doing a good job as a husband. Uh, don't even have a place for us to stay. And one particular day, I was just laying in the bed, just standing there, stirring over all this stuff in my head. And uh, my little cousin, who I, I think he's like a little prophet or something, my little nephew, rather, he was four years old at the time. Uh, and he comes in the room while I'm sitting there thinking about all these deep thoughts of how to get us into our place. And he comes into the room. He has this little drum set. Uh, and he had this song that he loved at the time called Fix My Eyes on You. And shout out to his mom for playing good music in the car or whatever. But uh, he had this song that he, that he, that he loved to sing. And so he, while I'm in the bed, he, he, he uh, puts up his little drum set. I don't know how four year old knows how to do this. Turns on YouTube, plays the song, and he starts singing the song. Fix my eyes, my eyes on you, on you. And he screams it to the top of his lungs like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And he's, uh, he's screaming, and I'm like, I can't ignore that. Uh, I can't ignore that. I hear you, God. <laughs> you telling me to take my eyes off all these crazy circumstances that are going on in my life right now and to fix my eyes on you. And you're doing it through a four-year-old uh, right here. And it was just a sweet reminder to me uh, that in, in life circumstances, no matter how crazy they get, we can fix our eyes on the Lord, meditate on his truth, meditate on his word and what he says about us and what's true about him. And in that place... Uh, we find peace. Peace is found when our thinking uh, is towards God. And I just had a few practical things. Uh, one, uh, just spend time in the Word. Uh, and, and for us worker bee types, don't take this as another list that you're going to worry about that you have to keep now. Like now I have to keep the list on how to stay in the Word. Calm down. But this is something that can help. Uh, spending time in the Word. Uh, Meditating on scripture needs something in there to help you fight those lies when they come. And just meditating on the goodness of God. Uh, that's how Adam and Eve lost it. They believed that God wasn't good. That's all Satan said. So spend time in those moments meditating on the goodness of God. So peace is found when we seek God, God instead of peace. Peace is found when our thinking is towards God. And finally, peace is found uh, when we stop trying to be God. Uh, Peace is found when we stop trying to be God. Something uh, catastrophic happened uh, in the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam and Eve uh, fell. Uh, They weren't just seeking fruit, by the way. No, they they weren't just so uh, enamored with the idea of tasting an apple. That's not what it was about. Uh, They wanted to be like God. Uh, They wanted this knowledge of good and evil. And when they finally got this knowledge of good and evil, they couldn't handle it. For the first time, uh, we see somebody just straight up freak out uh, in the Bible. They look at themselves and they experience shame for the first time. Like, oh my God, I'm naked. Like, that, that had never happened before. That kind of shame. Uh, for the first time, they hear God uh, walking in a garden and, and they, get fr- they get afraid. All right? And so this knowledge of, of good and evil uh, was something uh, that they couldn't handle. And, and all of this uh, fear of anxiety began with this idea of, I want to be God. I want to be the God of my life. We, we wouldn't come out and say, I want to be God of my life. No, nobody would say that in 2017. But we, but we acted out. Uh, the moment when we jump up and get the day going and we don't think to pray. Uh, not praying is a subtle way of saying that, uh, God, you can take the day off. I got this. I, I'm God today. It's a subtle way of doing it. When, the, when the, uh, the, the pressure turns on and you start strategizing and figuring it out instead of talking to God. That's a subtle way of saying that I'm, I'm God of my life. When you're carrying all that weight and that anxiety and that pressure. 
all of this began uh, with man saying that uh, I want to be like God. And, and we said, we, we, get, we think we got it. Like, I got iCalendar. I got iCalendar. I can, I can plot out some stuff. Uh, I got apps on my phone that can say, let there be light, and it happens. Like, I, I can run some stuff. Uh, and, and God is saying, no, you can't. And your anxious heart uh, knows that you can't. And so, Paul, back to Paul. Paul, what do you got then, man? You say you, you, say you got this secret uh, to peace. You say you got this secret uh, to contentment. What do you have? Who are you seeing? What are you taking? And Paul says, in verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says, I've surrendered it all. That's, what, that's what's happening here. I'm not in control of my life anymore. Uh, God is running the show. Christ is running the show. It's, it's not me. Uh, it's him. And it's because of him that I can endure uh, all things. It's nothing that I've done. And it's in that place of surrender that we find peace. It's in that place of letting go and saying, you know what? I can't run the show. You know what? I don't need to be the Lord of my life. You know what? I'm not God. But you are. And I'm going to surrender to you. That's the place that we find peace. When we're carrying the burdens of life, we kind of like a traveler carrying a bunch of bags and carrying all of this weight and all these burdens. And we know we're not strong enough to hold it. But we're trying our best. And what God is saying is stop carrying that load, stop carrying all those burdens, and stop trying to, to run the show of your own life. For, for a Christian this morning, uh, I would say, You've been born again. You, you, you have the Holy Spirit. And, and, and as we yield to the Holy Spirit, we, we let go of our control and we let Jesus take control. We let the Holy Spirit take control of our lives. And when we come to that place, we, we experience peace. We experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We, we experience all of the fruit of the Spirit all at once. When we yield and say, I can't do this, I'm going to let go of control and let you do it. That's, that's the beauty that we have as being uh, children of God, to being his people. To someone who would say, I haven't surrendered my life to Christ, I would say, isn't it heavy? Like, aren't you tired of holding that weight? Isn't it heavy? Isn't it tiresome to try to figure life out? Isn't it tiresome to kind of think that it's all on you? Isn't it heavy? And God is saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You don't have to carry that. You were never created to. That's why we, we, we look for these different things to make us 10% happier. And we, we always need something to, to supplement us, to make us feel peace. Because we're, we're probably doing stuff that we were never even created to do. And God has said, I have something much better than 10% happier. Cast your cares upon me. Someone said that early. And I'll give you rest. He cares for us. So what, what, is, what, is, this, what is the cost of peace? Uh, is it a vacation? Is it the cost of a, a drink? Is it a, something in a pill? No, it's not that. It's, it's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. That's the cost of peace. Uh, by his stripes we are healed. On him was the chastisement that brought us peace. We can experience peace. He's, he's, he's died for and, and, and paid for anything that could have ever caused us fear and anxiety. He's paid the price for all that stuff. He took care of all of that on the cross. He's just saying, let go of control. 
let go of let go of more control. If you thought you've let go of control, keep let go keep letting go of control, and you'll find peace in that place. Why we why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we surrender it all to a God like that who has man died for your sins and in who's gracious towards you even when you fail to this day? Why wouldn't we trust Him enough and surrender it all to Him? It's just a thought. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name. God, thanking you uh, for the fact that you died on the cross for anything that could ever cause us to fear. God, you've defeated our enemies. You've defeated sin, death, and the grave. We have no reason to fear, Father God, and we thank you for your love. And I pray if there's anyone in this house this morning who is holding on, Father God, that you will pry their hands open and and, and open their eyes and, and speak to their hearts this morning, Father God, so that they can live and have new life in you. If there's any Christian this morning who's carrying burdens that you've already carried, Father God, pray that you would help them to let go. It's in your mighty sons, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.